0: Leeds, Leeds, Leeds! What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called Now, and an activity called Work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day, and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? So I am now <coughs> forty-seven
1: years old. Uh, so I was born in seventy-five, and in nineteen eighty-two, I wanted to be a Harrier jet pilot. I've been watched the Falklands on the news. That lasted. I reckon that lasted till I realised that age ten, I have I'm as blind as a bat basically, <laughs> and I don't have the ultrasound to replace the eyesight. So that that's tough. Um but yeah, I absolutely definitely wanted to be a, a a Harrier pilot. I just like for at least 3 years had that fantasy. Mm. Um and and after that I um what did I want to do after that? I think I had the sort of usual run of things of like I wanted to be a uh an archaeologist after watching Indiana Jones films. Indiana
0: Jones, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I wanted to be a writer an author. Don't I mean, don't Lots of us do at one point or another. I wanted to write the great great sci-fi novels, of which I've got about four unfinished, sat somewhere on a <laughs> on an old hard drive that <laughs> survived. Um but yeah, that was the kind of thing. Kind of classic classic kids things really. Mm. Um often influenced by what was seizing our attention at the time. Mm. Back in the days of fewer films and only four TV channels. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of books. I used to read it. I read voraciously and yeah. Um, always wanted to be a writer, and never got quite the attention span correct. <laughs> the application. <laughs> and my wife, wa- my wife is a writer, and she does have that ability, and I'm in awe of it because that that dedication. It's a lonely trade, isn't it? So
0: it is, but it, uh, it's you have to be very, very disciplined because you have to. You know, it's the actual yeah. sitting down and writing. Because anyone can kind of write in their head, and most of us probably do a lot of the time. <laughs> while, we're, while we're writing our novel that we're going to write one day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You're listening to Series 3, Episode 23, and to my guest, Neil Walshaw. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 12th of May, 2022. Here's a little disclaimer before we crack on. My intros and outros do not represent the views or opinions of any guests on this show at any time, nor is anything said in the intros and outros a comment on my guests, unless it's specifically stated otherwise by me to be the case. I ask all my guests to provide me with short bios that I use to introduce them on their episode and in creating the show notes. I write everything else in these intros and outros and in any marketing material. What you hear here is my fault, just me. As are the questions in these interviews, guests are given an opportunity to remove anything that they would like to from their interviews before I publish their episodes. Guests are not given an opportunity to influence what is said or presented by me in my intros or outros, nor do they have final cut of their own interviews. Hello loves, welcome to Radio 4 from hell. Neil Walshaw is currently a lead city councillor, representing the Headingley and Hyde Park ward. Neil chairs the Climate Emergency Advisory Committee and the Development Plan Panel. So his work life is filled with terrifying data and models about our present and future, plus lots of time nerding out with planners of all kinds. Combining three serious roles with the ward councillor, one having 24,000 employees makes for a busy life. We need to end fossil fuels now, that's a fact. I think we need to work less, sell less, buy less and consume less. I think we all need to do less, and that by doing less we will all have a much better quality of life. I think we need less so-called wealth creation and growth and much, much more general literacy, a literacy that could be and should be nurtured by having much, much more time for ourselves that's my statement. This show isn't just content to me, this show is an endeavor. It is something ambitious with ambitious intent and I need support to make it. I need people to do this, people like you. And most of all I need people who are in Leeds or are from Leeds to be my guests. I also need people like you as listeners, and critically, I need people like you as financial backers. Please support this show and its mission with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Ko-Fi, or you could donate any one-off amount that you choose to this show via, again, Ko-Fi or through Librapay. So this is my mission. To try to map out what one city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, did as the so-called leaders of our wider species sold us out again and again and burned our world while also stopping us from using whatever remaining useful time we might have had usefully. So please help me with this mission any way that you can. Thank you. Now, please enjoy this episode of Working Hours with Neil Walshaw. So what is it that you do now then? So I um am... well, I'll take a step back
1: from that. I do a very strange and varied job. Mm-hmm. So I'm a city councillor in Leeds, which means I am a politician. I'll be a, a low level one in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So that means that I have around, I think at the last count, around 24,000 employers mm. in the people of Headingley and High Park Ward. Hello, everybody, by the way. Um, so that's, a, that's, being a ward councillor is a, is very interesting and challenging job and then on the city as part of the administration because i'm a labor and we have a labor administration at least i do sort of two substantive roles as well so i i chair the climate emergency advisory committee
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is um a cross-party group of councillors, and what we do is we scrutinize and evaluate and develop ideas for all our, our work towards net zero mm-hmm. and the transition to away from carbon as an economy so that's that's a role that that's a a role of committee that touches everything we do in Leeds. So that's that's pretty daunting at times. A lot of terrifying data and models from where we are now and where we go and come across my desk mm-hmm. keep me awake at night. And I work closely with uh, the cabinet member for for climate and infrastructure, Councillor Hayden Helen Hayden. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're sort of a bit of a, a counterpart double act on that. And it's a different way of doing things like that in Leeds, so that we can we can bring people together. Mm-hmm. It's an important, my role, important part of my role, that of that role is to is genuinely to bring bring people together from across the, the political spectrum and across all the stakeholders and actors and everybody in leads to try to come to uh, good positive outcomes for for a just transition to to zero carbon. Mm. I bet we'll touch on that later. The other role is I chair the development plan panel, which examines and develops the the city's development plan for. The next however many years so again that's how we use land and transport and movement in mm. the economy and all sorts of things like that so that's again pretty pretty varied where people are going to live work and play is, is 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 it is incredibly important to us as a council mm. i know it, and as you can imagine there's quite a lot of overlap between the two two roles which is why I, which is why i do the two and also my background is in transport and land use planning pre-politics so there's a lot of oh god i was going to use the word synergy but actually yeah that'll do um it's not one of my favorite words. It's, it's overused, I think, by people who generally don't know what it means. And if I'm using it wrong in that context, I apologize. But it's there's that overlap, which is which is yeah. very useful. So it's it's a full old life,
0: shall we say? <laughs> yeah. So um you mentioned a few things in there, but like so, first off, so if I was going, all right, well, what does a counselor do all day? And from the description of what you said there, I'd be like, okay, so you go You read lots of documents, look at lots of data and you go to lots of rooms and have lots of meetings. So uh, is there more to it? There's,
1: there's quite a lot of all of that. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I tend to, on a practical basis, I tend to work from where I'm talking to you from now in my Mm. teal painted snug with all our books in it. (laughs) It's also the foot sofa, bed, for and guest stay and all that kind of thing. So alternate between here and civic. Mm. um and there is an awful lot of meetings mm. and there's a lot of work in the community as well so and it's in, funny enough last night was the annual general meeting of one of our residents associations and we could all meet together in person mm-hmm. and that was fantastic because for the last two years obviously that's been very difficult mm. and just getting used to seeing people in 3D again rather than flat on a screen um so there's, there's not there is a lot of evening and weekend work as they say being a counselor because you you You've got a lot of constituents to represent, and they come forward with lots of casework, lots of problems they want you to help solve, Mm -hmm. Um, lots of issues they want raising out. They can be sort of very local. They can be very national. They can be very international. Mm -hmm. And it's heading in Hyde Park, so be prepared to be able to discuss matters, philosophical and technical and and all all points in between, because we're a really varied community, Um, and it's great. That's one of its fantastic features. So there is a lot of variety in, in in the work we do. Um, and sometimes yet people come forward with really distressing casework in their their absolute hour of need. Mm. Um, so you're, um, you're part social worker. Mm. Um, so there's a lot to learn in regards to how our social security system works, how our housing system works. Um, how, what, what people come to you when they've got problems with their employers, for instance, Mm. or, um, if they've particularly got problems with their schools, that things are not not quite right, they're not getting the support they need, perhaps from some some um social service or or what have you, mm-hmm. some element of the educational health systems. Mm-hmm. So that's that case where it can be incredibly varied. Mm-hmm. And then you can get lobbied about big political issues. Some of your constituents might have a particular focus on, say, a aspect of national policy or politics. And as I do a lot of work with climate, people have a lot to say on 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 climate and our our, our future as a civilization. And I wish mm-hmm. I wish that was an under, uh, overstatement, but it's not. Because mm. that's sort of challenges we're facing over the next 10 to 20 years. So match can be very serious. So there's a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of team calls, um, a lot of um time in community meetings. I spend a lot of time in room six what we call room six and seven in civic, which mm. is the big committee room you'll see. If anyone wants to shoot into the council's YouTube channels, that's where we do our big meetings. Mm. So it looks like that's like a Lots of desks with microphones and cameras and things like that, yeah. and projectors and high def teleview and things like that. So yes, and then you know we have uh, we have some quite decent offices in Civic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we finally replaced the carpets after about forty years. I think there were some stains that were becoming semi sentient in, in the, on the on the Labour Group <laughs> now, now that, that's been really. Good. We've sort of got a nice open plan office now. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's good to work go and work with colleagues, especially after I get the last two years, predominantly been at home. Mm. Whereas now we're getting back into a, a nice mixture of, you know, community stuff, home stuff, um, and civic stuff. So there's a real variety there. And mm. it's it's great.
0: One of the other things that you mentioned in that sort of opening of what you, what you do, um, you talked about sort of working in planning previously. So just as a contrast, I mean, because with planning as well, you, you're going to be dealing with, the state and you know civil servants and so on for regulations and for permissions and you know like everything has to be up to the regulation standards and meet everything else so you'll have dealt with a lot of that before but i would imagine there's a contrast in the amount of work time you get to spend on work yep that role as opposed to this role where i would imagine you get you spend more time not creating work, but kind of like finding out how to do the work. Is that fair? I mean, that's that's the sense I get. It, it sounds like there was a big learning curve kind of coming in and that you've had to learn lots of like, okay, well, how does that system work? Yeah. How does this system work? So is that is that a fair assumption? It's a little, yes. It, I'd probably put it something along the
1: lines of, if you're a politician, you really rapidly become, if you're doing public service in a political role, mm. in a representing role, shall we say, you rapidly have to become a decent or even a good generalist across a huge range of subject areas. Mm-hmm. And that learning curve can be really, really steep. Mm. You know, And in some respects, it's almost vertical mm. in what you have to learn really quickly. Um, because the training course to become a counsellor if there was a trick, if such a course existed, mm. it would probably be about a year long mm. learning. what, but, but that's your first year on in office. You know, you, you're elected to a four-year term typically. Um, and then you, you may or may not want to run for re-election. You may not, may not get re-elected. But that first year is a really complicated, you know, quite difficult year. Mm. Um, whereas previously in a sort of doing a, a professional role, um, there's a lot less evenings and weekends involved, mm. you know. Much more, previously it was much more, much more nine to five. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a real contrast between that because the, the, the difficult thing when you're a counselor is knowing when to switch off Mm -hmm. or knowing to when to say no to people. I can't do that right now. You know, learning to say that is, is actually quite important Mm -hmm. not to let people down, but to say, look, I'm going to have to structure this because it's half nine on a Saturday night and there's no way I can help you right now. Mm. You know, cause con- often when constituents get in touch and it, it those, those are extreme times, they're in real distress. Yeah. Um, I've had some, you know, particularly dramatic, um, bits of casework where people have, have, phoned with, you know, a suicidal relative and they want your help there and then, and it's, it's half past eight at night in England are playing Columbia in the world cup in 2018, you know, and, you know, and that's, that, you know, and it, that's kind of your, your night off. So you have to break off from your night off and organize the relevant people to go help that person. Yeah. And then you got to go back in the room and go, how's, how's, how's the, how's the football going? <laughs>
0: Switch back into leisure mode. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's the, yeah. The ability to be switched between modes is is quite useful. Yeah. Um, so there is a real contrast and people expect you to be on duty seven days a week. Mm. And what's interesting, how technology. talks to older hands at the council. So I've been a councillor since 2011, which is all very much within the age of information technology and social media. Mm-hmm. But obviously, some councillors have been around a lot longer. And what they've said is that someone could say 1990, someone would write you a letter,
2: mm.
1: and if and they might expect a response within sort of five, six, seven days. Yeah. yeah. Now if somebody sends you an email, and somebody might say email you that same day or the next day, say, why have you not responded to my email?
0: Yeah, it's an email. It should have got a response straight away.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> which I understand people people got expectations and they want things from their public servants. And as a, somebody who's chosen public service, voluntarily, you want to do that. You want to provide that service mm. to the best of your abilities. But sometimes the ease of modern communications can almost hinder you doing that in a way. Mm. You know, now, 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 you know, I must have these answers now, now. And that's, that can be challenging. Um, And sometimes there's a case of actually managing people's um, expectations Mm. and hoping you're going to, and you you work to get a good outcome. And let's be honest, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't because some some problems are just, can be very difficult and very multifaceted and very complicated to solve. Mm -hmm. Particularly if people in themselves wanting help with very complicated, multifaceted lives themselves. Mm. Um, And that's, you know, so there is a big element of social work. Mm. So there's an there's a big sort of social work element, a pastoral side to it, if you like, mm. you know, then there's a, a political aspect to it. You know, I am a political representative as well as a, a ward councillor. Mm. And then there's sort of the, there's the the policy and administra- administrative side of things. If you're lucky enough to be, you know, part of the the, the group that runs the council, which I'm very honored to be part of that, you, there's the, there's the whole, well, there's the whole running a major European city that we all take a, a small role in. And that's, you know... N- That comes with quite a few challenges as well, as you might imagine, you know, so the day is never dull and it's also very varied Um, and some of the meetings are quite long. Anybody, anybody, anyone wants to watch some of our meetings on YouTube, you're most welcome. (laughs) The, the airport expansion planning application has almost 7,000 views and is eight hours long. Mm. And that was all done on zoom Mm. and we're all sat there in respective locations. And I think at the end of it, I think my bloodstream might have been about 50% ibuprofen. It was just my back was really <laughs> my back was being yeah. it was being very middle-aged was my back <laughs> by the end of that meeting. Um and that was
0: quite long. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally feel that pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think I think we've got a handle on, on the job on the the sort of day to day. Yeah. Um, or at least I have anyway. Um So let's go sort of through the lockdown journey because this is, um, I mean, obviously this is it. You know that started as I'd started this kind of thing, yeah. Um, And part of the reason I did this was because I thought there's going to be a lot of changes this decade. And then lo and behold, we had had a big pandemic. But it has, you know, there's discussion about whether it's finished or not, or this, that, and the other. But like in terms of changing work and the changes to your own work that's what I really want to look at but I mean if you take us through your kind of lockdown story how do you remember kind of going into lockdown and then when we were in lockdown were you working more or less or could were you just getting loads of phone calls and you couldn't do anything you were just like I'm in my house I can't go out (laughs) it it was well it was quite it's quite an experience for all of us wasn't it but it was
1: it was very strange because obviously, when your role is when your working life is spent with people mm. <laughs> representing them and working for them, to suddenly have to take one big step removed from that.
2: Mm.
1: that's really um, that's really uh, daunting at, at the start. So the good things was as a council, you know as a as an organization, we migrated almost seven thousand staff to home working with barely a hitch, which proves that we were right as an administration to invest a lot in digital technology. A lot of IT capacity went in over the last Mm. few years. Um, so that was, I mean, we probably couldn't have done that 10 years ago, Yeah, not without real problems, but now it went really well. Mm. Um, and we, you know, between combination Zooms and teams, and we had one that I can't remember the name of that didn't work so well platforms but between those those platforms were real saviours for us so the council had as as a as sort of the administrative life of the council the policy life of the council took about a, a two month gap where we, it was literally just emergency services you right the, the you know the emergency planning yeah, market, yeah. The, the, the sort of statutory minimum while we got ourselves organised and then really we were back up and running really quite quickly mm-hmm. so it was probably about that sort of march to march and april we getting back going. And then by May, we were a, sort of a functioning council again, if you like in, in, And I think that was, that was impressive to see staff really, really did themselves proud. It was, yeah, it was quite a thing to see. And so we were back, you know, from things like just having, you know, being able to respond to constituents, mm. um, it was, and have, have our support. Cause we have like a, a small support team. In in the group office and in the, the the leader's office, which is basically where the the, the executive is based, the cabinet of the council is based. Mm-hmm. They all have, and we we're all working again fairly quickly. As a ward member, casework went through the roof. Yeah, because people had suddenly all sorts of problems. Yeah, as as we all faced those problems, yeah. and people were turning to 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 the, a lot of them were turning to the elected representative. If you ask any member of parliament or member of their office, they just case went through absolutely through the roof and, and, yeah. and councils were no different. Um, so that was, that was, um, that was really challenging at first until things started to shake through by the sort of summer mm. lots of things were working and functioning. Mm. And, you know, I think as a, as a city and as a society, I think we responded really well to the challenges of COVID to the lockdowns. Homeschooling was a real challenge. And I think if Ofsted could have inspected Hazel and my school, I think we would have been in special measures. Or home school was really challenging because mm. neither of us were furloughed, so we're yeah, both yeah. working full time. Yeah, well, yeah, We got three children, so that presented an extra challenge that we weren't really expecting. I mm. don't know why we weren't expecting that, but yeah. once school switched to Zoom lessons, life became a lot easier. Yeah. But so during, I mean, so during the pandemic, a lot what work that we did sort of shifted somewhat. So we did a lot of um, well. Pandemic relief work and a lot of um, raising um, food donations, that kind of thing, mm. um, and, and and aid donations, and pulling together help, well, helping pull together support groups of local organisations. Because mm. obviously, people wanted to help each other. Yeah, um, the way that people fought, came forward to help each other, I think, was fantastic. It certainly surprised government. Yeah, the central government was telling us that they were when I mean, people were. If you cast your mind back to early twenty twenty. People were effectively screaming at the government to go into lockdown for a month before it actually did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, irrespective of sort of that idiotic sort of libertarian conservatism that says, "Oh, we should have just had a herd immunity and carried on regardless," which would have led to three, four hundred thousand people being dead. Mm-hmm. The one of the other concerns of government, if you like, at the sort of the 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 if you like, the 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 senior civil servant here was mm-hmm. like. Will people help each other? You know, will people come together? Well, obviously, people did magnificently, mm. and so that so those two were the factors holding going into lockdown back. It seemed at the time, and I think that's been confirmed since. And well, actually, so actually, helping helping the community, helping the community help each other was a, a big part of our role. Mm. Probably could have framed that sentence better point. <laughs> and so there was all awful of that going on, and so it presented a whole new raft of challenges. Did that? So that especially that first. That first six or seven months mm. in 2020 were were difficult for everybody, weren't they? Um, and I mean, without technology, heaven knows where we'd be. Um, I think because we're so used to having technology now, we can't imagine what it'd be like without it. Mm. Me and my mum were joking on one of our many Zoom calls. <laughs> my parents live in Leeds, and they were they were isolating. They're um, in the seventies. <laughs> Me and my mum were joking. Oh my gosh, imagine if this was 1990. Mm. And we had, we were all at home together and then, but we just had, um, the sort of technology we had then would be sort of, we would all be walking down to the center of the village for the latest sort of printout news, <laughs> do you know what I mean? The news- <laughs> newsletter from the, instructions on where to get help from the council, because that the local communication channels would be so different.
2: Mm.
1: Whereas actually we've got sort of so many multiple WhatsApp groups of community help um, gr- uh, organizations that, that that became very different. Mm. So that was, that was the good aspect of the, of how the COVID journey, <laughs> what a great phrase, the COVID journey. <laughs> um, so, but whereas when things, if you like the sort of the second half of the many lockdowns that we had, I don't know about you, but I think I kind of always count, to be honest. Yeah. It yeah. Um, was a lot easier. As I mentioned earlier, suddenly, I mean, schools did magnificently during lockdowns, but we went from sort of packs of work that we collected from the school every Monday yeah. to a full, a full timetable. For all three kids on Zoom. Yeah. Um, and teachers were fantastic and so, so such care and attention to the kids mm. that it was via screens was was remarkable. Mm. And there is something incredibly, you know, endearing. And honestly, there was a lot of dust in the room when you're watching all the kids talk to each other and there's 30, like all the classmates are on screens. Yeah. Because the psychological well being of our three were, you know, really um, important to us. Mm. And to be fair, the little fellows have caught magnificently. Um, you Know and that's but that's not always the case with people, so some of the casework that we've got post all of that is helping parents uh, and schools deal with the backwash, as it were, from all of that. There's, there's the, the issues that it's raised, and I think lots of us have been touched by that. Um, but friends or family where kids have, have not coped so well, so mm. you know, there's, that's that's a new and added element of, of, of casework. Mm. Um, you know, so the but as a as a as a council, as an administration. I think, um, we have, we, you know, we managed full councils on, on zoom, mm. you know, with plans panels on zoom. We shifted over to YouTube for everything because mm. transparency is really important in local government. You know, I mean, we, we publish everything we do, you know, I, everyone can see everything we spend, you know, and our, mm. in our budget. Local government is a, in sort of since 1990, perhaps even earlier than that, local government underwent a sort of transformation revolution, mm. um, and so. We were always, we, we started to have things, um, webcast anyway, mm. you know, but we just turned up the dial to 11 on, on webcast to show that people were still working. This is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, there aren't loads of decisions being taken behind closed doors. You know, exec boards on, on YouTube, live and then archived on YouTube, the, uh, full councillors, plans, panels mm. are, committees are, scrutiny boards are, you know, and, and that's, that, that was really important to us as an administration. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the way that we work really changed. So during, one of the things I'm really proud of is during the, the, the during 2020, the, the sort of emergency food distribution warehouse that we set up. So a lot of my climate team were diverted onto sort of food distribution for a short time. Mm. And we ran a food distribution system purely using electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we can say now to lo- the logistics sector since then and until now and into the future is look, we did this mm. on our reasonably limited resources, mm-hmm. you guys can do this too. You know, we try, when it comes to climate, what we try to do is lead by example in, as much as we can. Yeah. Cause you know, the austerity imposed on local government is, is well known, you know, and I'm not going to bore <laughs> you with a rant about that. Just to say though, that every, every year I've been a councilor we've had to do more with less. Yeah. And after 11 years, that's, that's a lot, Yeah, it's you know, a lot to take. On as an organisation and as individuals, but the food distribution by electric vehicles was fantastic, you know, and it really demonstrated what we could do. One of the things I hope, hope that successive challenges that Leeds have faced, whether it was the floods in 2015 or it was the the pandemic, is that as a council, Leeds does an awful lot of things in house. Mm. You know, we have staff to do things
2: mm.
1: who have chosen public service. Mm and therefore that we've got lots of good people that we can say, look, this is happening. This is a crisis. We need to redirect ourselves to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. And they're like, we'll go for it. Mm. So for example, so just take the floods in 2015, the, the floods that hit the Kirkstall and the, the city center. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we could redirect um, council staff to go help with flood alleviations and clearance. Mm. And as well as marshal well as, uh, marshalling community volunteers. Mm. But the fact, the backbone of it was, um, you know, refuse staff, waste staff, councillors, the smell of clearing out cellars from shops on Kirkstall Road on the, on the A65 will will never leave my memory. That was <laughs> we were. There's a photo of me and count, uh, Jerry Harper. He's, he's not. He's retired. There's a photo of us stood. We've come out of the uh, uh, if you know the on the A65 the Shish Mahal the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. We were helping clear out the basement. We just covered in. God knows, mm. I showered for a long time that day. But no, but the point is, we we all, we all, we could all muck in, yeah. And so when the leader of council goes to, you know, the refuse department because it's a lead city council department, mm. they're like, "Yes, council, we'll get on it." Right? Yeah. Their responses to an outsourced company would be, "Well, this is going to cost you so much." Yeah. And I think that really demonstrates the value of public services publicly delivered with the public service ethos. Mm. And you saw that in the pandemic as well. You know staff applied themselves to whatever they were asked to do mm. in, in in a really magnificent fashion. And we want to be able to tell that story because, you know, there's all this quite a lot of sort of unsung heroes in public service. Mm. And I think, I, uh, I, I hope people in Leeds recognize just how much work was done to keep the show on the road for the city functioning. You know, we were committed, no, you know, no one's going to be cold and hungry in this. We'll get through this. Because at the time when we were putting all these emergency processes into place, you know, I wasn't in these meetings, but senior councillors, um, but you know, leadership of the councillors, the dep- two deputy leaders and chief executive, were having meetings with public health officials from NHS, from the NHS saying, well, we're going to have to dig shallow grave pits, you know, for up to, I think, 18,000 people was the number mentioned. Mm. And you think about that in a city, that's quite a thing. We, so we're having to put all those processes in as well. The, the, you know, the, the civil contingency planning, as it often gets called, into place as well. Um, when, and when we, we spent, so the council spent a lot of time on that during 2020. And then as 2020 sort of came towards an end, we, we were probably sort of this autumn of 2020, we were sort of able to reorientate a bit to sort of more getting back on looking big, big at the longer term things as well, because the, you know, the, the civil stuff was all in place. So we could also, you know, so I got, you know, half our climate team back to start working on decarbonization and then gradually all of them back to, you know. So as, as you know, as 2021 came around, we were sort of back focusing on all our various many projects that we have mm. um, with respect to climate emergency and, and, and zero carbon and transition. So um, the fact that we could continue a lot of that work has been has been great, mm. you know. We're going to do that because we have incredibly dedicated staffing leads and, and so much of it in-house. So one of my inescapable conclusions from the crisis we've failed over the last five, six years is if you can do things in-house because you've got, you'll attract people with a public service ethos mm. and you've got more control of them. And it's also more cost effective, mm. to be blunt. Mm. So hopefully people have learned lessons about all of that in the country that we can, you know. It's not about being a right-on socialist-lefty council, although we are. Um, <laughs> it's also about having a public service ethos—a strong one—that means people will respond to emergency and crises in in
0: remarkable ways. Mm. Well, and I think as well, like you say, that I mean the fact that there's however many thousand people watching that YouTube video shows that there's engagement there. You know, that yeah. that that people come forward and are kind of like, yeah, we want to, we want to help. You know like there is there is a strong civic sense in Leeds i think i think so yeah yeah i think it's proved proved time and again yeah um but i think that as well you know it it's having that link between the actual public you know the the, yeah. the the city itself and the council that yeah that makes that work um so as you were talking then i'm i'm kind of thinking like so in terms of Job satisfaction. (laughs) Uh, Like, I mean, how do you, do you ever feel like you get stuff done? Is it just a case of like projects forever rolling and they will forever roll? Or do you feel like there's like, yes, we got that done. That's closed, That's taken care of. Well,
1: politics is (laughs) off. Politics is a show that never ends. Um, But however, within that, there are, yeah, there's, there's, there can be really high, job satisfaction levels being a counselor. Mm. I would always recommend public service to anyone. Mm. Um, I think coming at, coming at it with a mindset that's going to be a an all-encompassing, quite difficult job, you're not sat in a town hall making a few decisions for a week, uh, you know, once or twice a week. You're kind of on call a lot. And as I said earlier, there's, a, there's an awful lot to do. If you do it right, that is, you know. I'm sure there are councillors that don't do much, but I've never met one. So, <laughs> of whatever political situation, I don't think there are any. I don't think the job of, uh, affords people to be lazy anymore. People increasingly de- demand a lot more. Mm. Jobs probably changed out of all recognition from say the sixties or seventies. Mm. I would well, imagine, probably even the nineties. Probably, yeah. Um, the fact that councillors do surgeries, mm. help and advice surgeries, forty years ago, councillors generally speaking didn't do that. Mm. They didn't have to do that, but. Um, as problems have mounted in society, you know, and that there's been more need. Um, and that's why, that's why we do them. You want to be out helping people. It's one of the reasons you ran for office in the first place. Um, in terms of job satisfaction can be really immense. We've done so much good climate emergency work in Leeds that we're really proud of. I'm really proud of, um, with winning, winning awards for the work we do. That's really satisfying. Um, to be, to be part of that, to be, you know, involved is fantastic to be taking some of the decisions that lead to that. It, it's a great feeling. It's, it's fantastic. Um, can be some really low moments, mm-hmm. you know, there's when you, somebody, you just, some people you just can't help enough. Mm. There's just, the, there sometimes we just run out of resources, mm. you know, um, and I think that's, that's always upsetting. Um, that's a, a societal problem and we need to think long and hard about that as a country and as a society about where, where resources are. Mm. Um, because, you know, okay. there, there's a, I often say there's a bit of a nineties and that sound is me dropping my pen, by the way. Um, so I often said there's a bit of a, a nineties feel to lead sometimes at the moment. Mm. You've got a, uh, you've got really stretched public, so early nineties feel. There's a really stretched public services, mm. really stretched NHS, mm. um, you know, really stretched police services and councils have had to endure a lot of cuts. So the, you know, the. The thin red line of the of public service is awfully stretched, awfully thin right now. Mm. And I think, you know, if anyone takes, watches the news for, you know, for an hour or so, you'll see that with problems, stories that related to Britain, a lot of the issues are hugely exacerbated by cuts and austerity. There's no getting around that, you know, we you see, you know, if unemployment's up, or crime's up. Um, and social behaviors are, well, there are answers to all these issues, but they take resources and they take time and dedication. Mm. What we've tried to do in Leeds for the last 10 years is focus all, pull our resources out to the front line as it were. Mm. So for example, our children's services have just been at an exhaustive, uh, inspection by Ofsted and this, is and that have be read since outstanding, which is Amazing when you think of what we've had to put up with. And one of the, re- one of the reasons we've, the rate i is in Leeds. We've kept the resources at the front line. Mm. So for example, we still have a youth service. Some councils don't have youth services, but we made a conscious decision. We'll have, we'll keep a youth service because if our youth work can put kids when they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, set them right and put one straight and narrow, the, that you're spending money there. But if that kid's a teen and, then, and he or she ends up in the criminal justice system, you might as well start setting fire to bundles of used fifty-pound notes in the middle of the street because the costs of the criminal justice system are incredible.
2: Mm.
1: You know, you can you know it's cheaper to send a kid to eat than it is to keep someone in prison for a year. Mm. So we made that a Leeds is unique in that we've, we're the only city that's kept all its children's centres open. Mm. You know, so there is there is a reason. There are many reasons why Leeds is a resilient city. Well, that's. There are two of them,
2: mm.
1: you know, and you see that reflected in the, the, the outcomes we get for kids and, um, I won't get inspected by when the government inspectors turn up to prod and poke and talk to people. Mm. Um, and we, as a city, we should be really proud of that. And we're certainly proud of it as administration. Mm. Um, but that, that approach of trying to identify in public policy where costs really lie mm. is really important to us and trying to, and trying to communicate that actually. You know, if if you cuts might seem economically sensible for in a budget year, right? And they might, mm-hmm. but four or five years down the line, bet you they bite, they come back and bite you with huge costs elsewhere. Mm. You know, it might be, not be on your budget, but they'll be elsewhere. You know, police and um, crime, crime, criminal justice colleagues will not thank us if we cut youth service because. And children centres, because down the line, their officers and their staff and the, the CPS and all that will have far, much, far more costs and work and far more societal harm. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. you know, you know, crime, crime and social behavior hurt people. And if we could head that off by spending, yes, sums of money, but earlier and better targeted, then that's absolutely worth it. Spent ten years saying that to government. It's not sunk in yet, but still, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a glass half full person. So one of these days, <laughs> the penny will drop. Oh, we must invest in young well, people.
0: I I want to uh, <laughs> so I, I'm going to go straight for climate change today. Yep. Here, um, so you're you're working in an area like you know that you have to, you know, you basically have to appreciate that you know profit is made by externalizing costs. <laughs> Yeah. putting the costs onto society oh yeah and then sort of taking taking the the profit the earning from that um you will be like you know already on board with the idea of looking at as you've said you know these costs sort of coming later down the road and it it is a question of sort of not being off balance sheet but on whose balance sheet does it go so you know we're all going to pay for these various costs so, and obviously you're working in an area and in, in an area of climate change or climate-related change, and so on. So, my question normally is, what can you do in your role, or can you do anything in your role to adapt or mitigate or deal with the climate crisis? Um, so, yeah. So, over to you. Well, I mean, my my role is is all about
1: that, really. Yeah. Um, so, Leeds has got probably one of the most comprehensive. Um, approaches to climate emergency of any, of any city in the UK, Mm. I I would suggest.
0: We were Um, an early one to declare as well, weren't we? Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, our, our carbon work started in 2011. Mm -hmm. We did something called a a mini Stern report. Lord Stern was a, a, did a report climate change for the previous Labour government in the late noughties. Mm -hmm. And we did our own version where we came into control of the council in 2010. Struck eleven minutes year. We decided we set our own on, in train, mm-hmm. um, and that led to things like the electric vehicle program. You know, we we didn't suddenly just start doing that in 20, 2019 when we declared a climate emergency,
2: mm.
1: but we, we we've been working at um, at climate um, carbon reduction in our in our, in ourselves as an organisation since twenty eleven and trying to communicate that to partners and stakeholders across the city that this is what you need to be doing. Yeah. But we've been gradually ramping that up. Um, and in 2018, there was the, the IPCC report that sort of, you know, sent alarm bells ringing around the, um, a world about what si- the climate situation was, mm. you know, cause the IPCC is not a, a bunch of, uh, sandal wary hippies who are playing wolf. These are very serious, sober men and women of, of, of sort of, of science. And they, they were, you know, ring, ring code red for planet earth as it were. So we were ramping stuff up and declaring a climate emergency just made we're trying to communicate how real this problem was to people. Mm-hmm. And what it did, it gave us, if you like, a a political and a public policy pivot um to operate on, to turn on, if you like, that put that allowed us to really put climate emergency at the heart of what we do. Yeah. So along with health and well being and and inclusive growth and and have best city plans for being best. City to be a, a child in and best city to grow old in. Climate emergency is up there with all of those. So if anyone who knows anything about public sector knows that's if you put it along with those things, then you mm. it's it's front and center to
0: everything we do. Mm. And with guy, where, it, where it sits on the agenda, is it like oh, it's <laughs> moved from any other business to it's now like top three items. Oh, oh completely.
1: <laughs> it, it's amazing. So in the in the 2015 and 2017 general elections, we could not get anyone in the media interested in climate. Mm. So I was working with Alex Sobel who is now member of parliament for Leeds Northwest. Mm. And those two elections, media was not interested in climate.
2: Mm.
1: You know, by 2019, by by middle of 2018, that's completely different, mm. you know. Um, and it, I mean, things just accelerated to 2019. S- certain things were happening in the, in the, wider, in the, in the wider world, that, we're, that so the things like the youth strike for climate. Mm. It's really, really useful in saying must be able to say that. no, it's not just us. Look, look at all these these warning signs. Look what people are thinking about.
0: But well, we had America and Australia on fire at the same time just before we went into lockdown. And it was it, like, this I'm doesn't all... happen.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it was affecting places where people thought were like almost like safe bolt holes, if you were, safe parts, safe and in invert commerce parts of the world. Mm. You know, and also, you know, wealthy parts of the world with lots of media. Mm. And lots of concerned citizens, mm. and that bad things can often help get us something up the agenda. Unfortunately, mm. and certainly that's um, that's the case with climate. Mm. And um, we've reallocated, you know, significant portions of our capital spend and our policy making um, towards addressing climate emergency. What I say to folks is, look, climate emergency, transition to zero carbon. It's not a cost. It's an economic multiplier. Mm. This podcast about work, right? Well, then in, in the transition, there are within least, you know, tens of thousands of good jobs, good, dignified, well-paying jobs. You know, one of our concerns with employment is that we want, we want jobs to be, to provide a of endeavor to them that I think we'd probably all agree that in Britain, we're a long way from in terms of our general terms and conditions mm. and transitions as a way to address that. Um, you know, what, what's more, what's more dignified than working on things that will save our civilization? Because the other thing so the, the sort of the 900 kilogram, it's a very large gorilla in the room, isn't it? But you get the point <laughs> is the fact that this is a civilizational level threat. Well, yeah. It really is. And it, and you know, three three years ago, people would have rolled their eyes at that, mm. you know, probably would have got groans in the council chamber four or five years ago from, mm. so say from conservative councils, you wouldn't, you don't get that now. Because the like you said, the, the news is old and clear, mm. you know, getting government policy to change is, as we can come to later on, but we've, we've orientated the council towards addressing, in last part, to addressing climate emergency. Mm. So that affects how we, i lot. say, for example, a lot of our capital spend, mm. but it does, it is an economic multiplier. It does provide employment. Um, and, and, you know like I said, good, well-paying jobs, hopefully unionized jobs, you know, mm. the things that we should be providing to people. Yeah. And so that it's in particularly so. it's for example, particularly working class communities that interest that we address climate emergency, mm. you know, as a, yeah, you know, as a, a socialist counselor, primary focus, football first Focus really is how does that, those affect working class communities, those on, you know, low, low and low middle incomes and on, Unfortunately, don't have income. You know. Well, actually, in the, those those people are the, should be most interested because it's most in their interest to address climate emergency. Mm-hmm. You know. So we need to go to places like Seacroft and Middleton and say, look, these these this is a this is these are this is jobs. This is what this is. It's not just you know to, to use an awful cliche. It's not just sandal wearing Guardian readers who are should be interested in this. It's everyone should be interested in this because first and foremost, it's it's about it's about jobs mm-hmm. and also survival which is quite important. <laughs> we probably, probably all agree. So that's climate emergency sort of fills a lot of our working days. For example, the moment we're midway through um, changing our development plan to be focused on climate emergency. Mm. So introducing policies for um, new development in Leeds, that's housing, industrial, commercial, public sector, third sector, wherever you, to, to make that you know zero carbon and, and, and even beyond that. So it's Development is take, going to be taking place in Leeds, mm-hmm. where eventually Leeds goes beyond net zero into uh, a city that takes in far more carbon than it than it produces ultimately mm. that 's where we need to be in, towards the end of next decade mm. um, and it's important that we do our bit. I guess the conceptual framework is that if you think of if you think of planet Earth and you forget nation states really, you break it down into into communities, into little polities. Mm. well Leeds is one of those. there are tens of thousands on earth. Yeah and Leeds has to do his bit. And if they all did their bit, Mm. then we'd be in a much better place. Mm. You know, it's unacceptable for people to say, well, China and India aren't um, doing their bit. What does it matter if we do a bit? Well, actually they are trying
0: to. In fits and bursts with two steps forwards and two steps back, but it's also like that, if everyone else jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge as well? It's kind of like, well, it doesn't matter what they're doing. What are we doing? Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's it's always been a nonsensical argument, and it's even
1: more nonsensical now when, you know. Oh, yeah, and we were right.
0: burning 200 years before anyone else, so,
1: you know. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, and I just think, from, yeah, from that point of view, we were the first industrial nation. Yeah. <laughs> we better be the first zero carbon nation.
0: Well, that's it, yeah.
1: You know, and I think that's the moral thing to do. Mm. Because people will be rightly asking, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. A lot of coal burned in the 1800s by you guys, mm. in the 1900s. We we want to do the same. And we can't say to people.
0: A lot of coal came out of this ground as well in this county. So. <laughs>
1: Randall was a joidy miner who came down to the coal fields around Barnsley. So, mm. yeah. So, you know, we, we have to say to people, look, we're doing this. This is the right thing to do, mm. right? And what we need to help each other is find ways for you to get a standard living that's acceptable to you. Mm. That doesn't cost, doesn't have the cost that that our journey to that point gave us, that yeah. in, introduced. So, so we can't go to the global south. You guys can't have a fridge. We need to say to the global south, let's find a way of making fridges uh, uh, sustainably. Mm. You know, that's the, that's the way to win arguments. Let's make sure that we have the right systems and processes in place that everyone can have that kind of comfortable lifestyle, which ultimately everybody wants, mm. and we've got to win that argument. And we
0: don't get a second chance at this. It's not sexy, though, is it? It's a very kind it, of it, it proce- should be, but no. processes are not sexy. <laughs> no, but it's
1: but it's not. But then, it's if when we're trying to communicate, one of my rules is try to make it understandable to people
2: mm-hmm.
1: and relatable,
2: mm.
1: and then make sure that we're talking to each other. Mm. You know, am I being heard? Am I hearing you? And and through that, we need to understand that, yes, there are lots of problems, but there isn't one of them that isn't solvable by the ingenuity of humankind. Mm. Don't worry, I'm not going to go all Star Trek. But,
0: but <laughs> as, a, as a- You might, I'm going to ask UBI next. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I
1: think, you know, we, we can solve these problems. But there, is, but there are going to be changes to do that, but those changes are not going to be sat, not doing anything with nothing to do. You know, there's, It's not going to be a, a drab, dull world where no one can do anything.
2: Mm.
1: It's going to be an exciting, vivid world where, but we, do, where we do things differently. Mm. You know, Think about walkable cities where you don't need to own a car and the air is really clean. Mm. How awful. No, just going to, you know, Whether
0: we get electricity
1: from zero carbon sources, renewable sources, all of it, all the time.
0: Okay, let, let, let's go to U, anyway. UBI now, because uh, cause I think it, it links here. So yep. this, this is, I mean, the question basically exists of like, if you didn't have to work, would you? But yeah, if there was a UBI, universal basic income, you were getting your basic needs sort of met, would you still work? If you would still work, would you still do this role? Or would you be doing something else entirely? That's
1: a really great question, as I feel to time to come up with an answer. <laughs> I think I think, yes. But then, but then I'm a public servant and I went into this willingly. Mm. And getting elected by people makes you very aware that you've been elected by people to do something. Mm. So that is a bit of a different impetus. And people, people have all different kinds of impetus to whether they would or not. I think I'm, say, pre pandemic, I would have been more on universal basic services than a UBI. Yeah. You know, I think. You know, if, if, if as a community, if publicly we covered the cost for universal high-speed broadband and Wi-Fi, you know, if we covered just your, you know, your water and sewage was covered, you know, that electricity was within the public realm, we'd have to pay for that somewhat, I guess, but, you know, any, energy does have a cost to it. You know, water does have a cost to it, but if they kept within the public sphere, then that could be better managed. Post-pandemic, if we are indeed post-pandemic, which that might be conceivable. Yeah, I was going to say oh you know as people who are still shielding if they're post pandemic yet. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think we've we've come up to anyway, that's a different debate but we'll we'll see, yeah, <laughs> the same <stale> message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask me 6 months where we are with that, you know. Yeah. But post pandemic, I think with technological change probably accelerating, I think UBI needs keep keeping looking at again and again mm. as as public policy. Mm. I think in Britain, having sensible debates on big societal policy changes is
0: is very difficult because we have a crap media. Yeah, I was yeah. appalling. Yeah, it's we one have of the worst aspects of living in this country. Like, it is. We have. A, when I've been abroad. I really enjoyed yeah. not having the media around.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you when you're in other parts of Europe, and you're, you're very aware that the 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 print media is a lot better. Yeah, our broadcast media is much better. To be fair. Well, print media is horrific in this country Mm. pretty much with a few honorable exceptions, but not many. Mm. And there's a a level of bad faith hysteria that comes from say right-wing media in this country
0: that is, you know. Well, I think all of it at this point, you know, they're all as bad as each other because they, because it is a market and they, you know, they all have to chase each other's competitors. Eventually they all kind of simmer into the same kind of stew. Well but
1: collaborative problem solving and good news does not sell newspapers. No, no,
0: no. And it doesn't get people to click on links. No, You know, you, you think of your, your link first and then <laughs> yes. We, click bits, the phrase, isn't it? Mm.
1: You know, and it's, it's really, it's social media in that respect is, is really playing with our heads as a country. Mm. But I think in Britain, I think we've had bad, bad print media play with our heads for 40, 50 years now. Mm. Um, and I think you know, rise of the Murdoch press, that kind of thing. I think it's 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 stained public discourse in this country to a really high level. Mm. And there's, and there's, like I said, there are a lot of bad faith actors in in journalism, and I think that's really problematic.
0: That I mean, said, l- loss of local media as well must be quite big for you guys, because I mean, it is. We do have some so.
1: Yeah, so we do have some decent local media in, in Leeds. I think, you know, the mm. things like the, the YEP. YP, I mean, um James surname I'm forgetting, who's editor of the YP and the Oxford Post. Mm. The, Mitchison? Dunno. Forgot his name. Damn. Look up. Worth following on social media. He's yeah. turned those two into from sort of, if you like, being easily easily categorized as Tory chip paper wrapping into genuine um, campaigning newspapers that have quite a lot to say, mm. particularly the YP. I don't really read the Yorkshire Post a huge amount, but the YP has gone from, well, as I said, it's, it's gone on that journey and it's a really, really useful, uh, a really useful local media outlet and there's all this, I mean, there's smaller micro ones as well. Now they have, they have some utility in that, but then, um, but I mean, somebody was telling him a few years ago, somebody told me that the YP used to have two editions and sell 340,000 copies a day.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that's mind
0: blowing. It 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 is, but I mean, it also shows that the the that kind of potential's there, which is yeah. part of my thinking with this. Of like, you know, you've lost a lot of those local media outlets, yeah, but there's still a market in leads for leads based information and leads based yeah. sort of content, for want of a better term. Yeah, um, we all want to know what's going on on our street. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. communities. Yeah, yeah. That's why we go to the pub or to yeah bingo hall or to the walking meeting or.
1: I mean, we, I mean, certainly when as sort of, as, as ward councillor, you sort of try to communicate with people. I mean, our, we, have head, we have a Facebook page called Heading, Heading in High Park News, mm. which has over 7,000 followers, mm. which is, which is not bad, mm. you know, but that's, you know, we've been working on that for sort of seven years now. Mm. Um, we do a lot of community information on that. It, there is a, a bit of politics and campaign, and I won't deny, mm. but there's also an awful lot of what's happening in the area. Yeah. And what organizations are doing, what and supporting organizations, you know, we've, we work closely with, um, with All Hallows Church and Rainbow Junction in Hyde Park, mm-hmm. which is our, yeah, a fantastic organization, a couple of two organizations, brilliant people who uh, provide so much help and assistance in the local community. It's, it's incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can, we use our ability to communicate with people, to reach people, to help tell those and vice versa, of course, but it's, that's really important. That's a sort of a, quite a micro level, local yeah. level. But I think the city the city broadly speaking has a as as a good newspaper. But I think that's down to the actions of a couple of individuals. I think if you'd have asked a Labour council in the nineteen eighties what they thought of the YP, I think you'd probably be un- unbroadcastable. You'd have a you'd have an E next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Next to your broadcast. Because you know, now we can genuinely say it's a cru- a crusading newspaper that provides real real value to the community. So that's to the good. Social media has ups and downs
0: yeah i mean i have a question on it anyway so oh yeah we'll throw this in so yeah so how much of it does it take up for your work and do you think that that gives you value do you just i mean well i'll let you answer the question but yeah i mean i I suppose you're going to use it in a particular way well you can there is the potential
1: for social media to just absorb the day if you're not careful Mm. i mean do you tweet your own stuff or is it i know i tweet right yeah, I tweet my own stuff the three of us collaborate on our Facebook stuff mm. three of us are ward counsellors mm. there's three counsellors in these remember so we're we're a yeah. ward team so we we collaborate on that and we do our own Twitter um, some counsellors use things like Instagram um, some use even be some TikTokers you never know mm. um, but and that that's good for communicating but you know arguing with people or debating things to put Put it politely with people on Twitter. It's probably got limited use, usefulness. It's good for. It's nice to be able to communicate with people, and it's good. To, and it's good. That is a good source. A Twitter is a good source of local news if you're following particular, you know, particular accounts. That is useful. We're getting into long, prolonged debates on on whether it's Twitter or Facebook. I think has limited usefulness. Mm. I used to use social media a lot more earlier last decade. Mm-hmm. So 2011, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Just to like we used. To use Twitter to build a profile Mm -hmm. Um, because back in 2011, I mean, I was the first Labour elected official in Northwest Leeds in quite a while. Mm. So there was a need to kind of get out to people that was not just going to every single meeting you possibly could. Yeah. It was about using social media wisely. I'm not sure if, we don't use Twitter as much these days. I follow an awful lot of, it's useful for things like, I follow a lot of climate people on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of, there's a lot of, like you know, like research policy that kind of thing comes via Twitter. That's, that's Twitter. I find Twitter really useful for that, but that's sort of like one you know one list, as it were. Yeah. So general stuff. It's, I, it, it's probably a waste of time some of the time, you know. But a good source of policy and news and a niche put, so you not know, that climate should be niche; should be everywhere. But um, you know, it is really good for that. Yeah. Oh, Facebook's sort of communicating with people. Talk, communicating with a residents. It's quite well, mm. got quite a good reach. It's used by a lot of constituents. Mm. How, that, how long that continues, don't know. Mm. Um, the, but there is still, there's still no substitute for the leaflet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, we do big A5 sized, you know, so it's got one, two, three, it's got four sides of information in leaflets and we do three or four of those a year. And it's more like a Parish newsletter, as well as a bit of pl- politics as well, and then it's got all your useful contact details and everything. It tells about community projects we're doing, that kind of thing. Mm. If we didn't do them, people would complain. Yeah, it's about it's about presence. Of people then know that you're there and you can be contacted.
0: Yeah. And you're doing their various bits of things, and they might. And you're doing the thing that they know you for as well. Yeah, it's like yeah, but you do this thing. you. Why aren't you doing this thing? That's what I know you from. I know you yeah. from this thing. Do that thing.
1: Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's about present, ultimately. Yeah. It's 2022, and the humble leaflet is still, if you do the leaflet right, that is. I mean, there are some terrible leaflets that go up, but if you do it right, it's really useful still. Interestingly, the rise of sort of online fast food ordering, like just eat and things like that, mm-hmm. has led to a dramatic decline in the amount of leaflets, fast food leaflets. Mm. Because in Headingley High Park we, we did played by leaf, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, um, your general post and our big leaflets coming through, will get noticed loads more. Mm-hmm. Just as an anecdote, mm-hmm. and people read them more because they're not um, they're not landing on a huge pile of, you know, pizza menus and fried chicken places and Chinese yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Just, people are just looking online, you know, and picking their takeaways online, and that's, that's been interesting. So environmentally a good a good development, I think, mm. on the whole. But yes, but social media—you've got to ration social media. You've got to use it a bit. You've got to be clear-eyed about its limitations. Mm. And ultimately, I think, as of twenty twenty-two, I'd rather be talking to people in in the real, yeah, a bit more than and especially after the last two years we've had. Yeah, it is good to be able to dawn up again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as care you. Know, I don't. I don't mean just the elections. We we do regular door-knocking sessions, you tried to cover the walls so that people know you call around and see if there's anything you can help with, Mm. you know, any problems you've got, anything you want to make us aware of. If people aren't in, you leave a calling card, sorry, we missed you. Mm. Your local councils were in the area today. Any issues, get in touch. We've not been able to do that for two years. Yeah. And that's quite disjointing and removing because, you know, by and large, you know, I think, hopefully I mean, I certainly do, but, but you tend to like your constituents quite a lot you know, that, you know, people are fundamentally, most people are fundamentally good and decent if you give them half a chance,
2: yeah.
1: and you know, and your elected officials are by and large good and decent. If you, if people give them half a chance <laughs> as well, we all tried to communicate in that, <laughs> that doorknocking process. We we'll made be able to do that again. Mm. And that's been good. And like I said, like I said, at the start last night, I was at a community meeting in person with, you know, mm. with cups of teas and things and, and a presentation. And then, and, and, you know, and it was, it was about improving high park, actually. Some folks had some ideas about doing various things, and it was just great to be back in the real able to do those things mm. with, you know, 40 residents there and, you, and three of us as councillors. It was just great. You mm. can't fault, you can't beat that.
0: That's better than any social media. I have a question. Do you, have you heard of Jane McAlevey? Nope. I probably should have, but I haven't. You should have. You should check her out. I will. Mm. I should. Well, I was going to grab the book, but I won't. I can't be bothered. It's too far away. Um, (laughs) But she's an American union organizer. Um, Yeah. Saw it. Just came on. Came across her online a couple of years, like last year or the year before. (laughs) I was like, this. This woman's great. So I've. I've a question that I've basically ripped off from her. Um. So my question was. So when I first started doing this, I was kind of like, oh, you know, what's good, what's bad about it but it's changed into a more positive kind of you take control yeah so the question is if there were any three things you could change about your work what would they be oh that is a great question it's a good one i like that one it?
1: <laughs> i'm gonna rip that one off myself i think <laughs> first thing is we'd have more money hmm. there is no substitute for resources hmm. it matters you know, I think over the last 11 years, I'll probably get these figures wrong, but I think over the last 11 years, Leeds has had £2.3 billion cut from its budget over that period every year from central government. Because the local government is not sovereign in its finances, We're usually dependent on central government's mm. attitudes. And obviously, unfortunately, the started with the, the Lib Dem Tory government in 2010 and has continued with just Tory governments that basically local government was going to be a prime source of public sector austerity, mm. unfortunately. And that's really hurt, Mm. you know, really, really hurt. So I'd just like, I'd like more resources Mm -hmm. to be able to like, well, do more things for my constituents, do more things for the city of Leeds. For example, classic, build more council houses. There are never, well, hardly ever less than 20,000 people on the council waiting list Mm. that are housed inappropriately in some form or another. And we spend every single pound we can on housing, you know, and we just like to build a lot more back when you know governments of all political hues in the 40s 50s and 60s and 70s built council housing directly or mm. well, councils built it directly mm. no i'd like i'd like that i'd like the money to be able to build glorious council houses and then de-car- zero carbon council houses i hasten to add and then because the ones we're building are getting that way yeah so they're really low low cost um low energy use full of carbon um That was the first thing. So more resources. I'd like, I could give a really nerdy, techie planning (laughs) response as to why. Do it. All right. (laughs) Second thing is then, yeah, all right. The second thing is, there are, one of the biggest costs in development Mm. is land. Mm -hmm. And there are relatively still in this country, relatively few landowners,
2: Mm.
1: you know, in a football stadium. It wouldn't be a, you know, and obviously some of those people would be like, I am the government as it were, I'm mm. the, the, you know, network rail or yeah, water, yeah. water, company. but the point is, you know, several thousand private landowners own a lot of land in this country. Mm-hmm. I would want the power for councils to be able to buy land for residential development and mm-hmm. just it's greenfield land price. It's like, it's agricultural land price. Mm. So, we can amass land and then bring in all sorts of stakeholders, including no doubt some of the private sector, mm. to build proper zero carbon sustainable communities. Mm. So, you know, so, and that we should be able to do that across the country because that's what we need to do. Mm. And, it, and it would make building and it would make building the transport systems that we need, you know, the, the rapid transit systems, the tram and tram, tram train systems that we need. Like, for example, transport is, I think we'd all agree, probably leads as Achilles heel. Mm. Heck, it's several Achilles heels mm. um, and for t- to, to be able to buy a QI land really cheaply, mm. whether it's greenfield land or brownfield land, you know, that'd be really powerful. Mm. If you're buying someone's property, then you need to give them market value for it. Mm. You can't take someone's single capital asset away and not give a market value for it. So that's expensive. When you imagine when you're trying to build a, a new rapid transition, imagine where that would need to go in Leeds. And that always comes to the cost. But if we could take the big sting out of it by having the ability to buy up sites mm. and not the market value, mm. then that'd be great. To give you some idea of how variable market values are, during, there's a patch of land near Leeds Railway Station that in the middle of the big boom of the noughties, the irrational exuberance, of the development and land sector in the you know before the global financial crisis they held cause. Mm. This land changed hands for 34 million pounds. Mm. When it came before us as a planning application in the city plans panel that I sit on in 2014, its, land, its book value was two and a half million pounds. Land prices be crazy, <laughs> as the saying goes. <laughs> but fundamentally, those out-of-town out Greenfield land sites Peripheral sites, Mm. where you've got an existing settlement, you'd want to expand sensibly Mm. in partnership with the local community there. If we could acquire those lands at um, just agricultural land prices, everyone would be better off in the country, apart from a few thousand landowners. And there are 60 some million of us, Mm. several thousand of them. I know whose side I'm on. Mm. So, and I think that'd be, that'd be the second thing. And the third thing is, I want... I want the council to buy me an electric bike. (laughs) Yeah, I I quite like the look of those. I'm warming to cycling through electric bikes. Mm. So I walk a lot. Mm. Everywhere, in fact. People see me all the time through Headingley, often with my dog. Um, But going to work, I I do a lot of walking, and I think I could speed this up and be more productive Mm. if I had electric bikes. So the third one is is purely selfish. Get the council to buy me an electric bike.
0: Or maybe but, I mean, it's not, you know, like it would reduce your carbon footprint and it would <laughs> in line it, with it, what you're doing. It's the, the the first two are purely for everybody else. The, mm. the third one is purely for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> See, because like that's quite a good split, though, to be fair. I, you have no idea how many people answer money for the first.
1: <laughs> there is, there is, and also, you, you do cover a lot of miles as a council. During the election campaign, I, there was a week where I didn't do any less than 34,000 steps a day. Mm. So I was jokingly said to someone, right, so my left knee is quite into democracy right now, but my right knee really aches and it would declare autocracy in a second given half a chance, you know, <laughs> but electric bike is, my, is, I think could be my new thing. I'll have to talk to my other half that we should get up a couple each, maybe pull some shekels together, but well, council provided as, as, as a, as as a, as a perk, an electric be electric if, we, yeah. if
0: we get lucky if we've got someone listening who does electric bike, and, <laughs> you know there's a synergistic opportunity there <laughs> but yeah, he was purely selfish that third one i'm afraid <laughs> okay so we've done social media we've done ubi we've done climate change we've done about changing i think i've gone through most of my questions there oh no we've not done brexit oh how how did i miss that one <laughs> All I would say is... <laughs> well, let me um, yeah. let me ask you the question okay. first, <laughs> just in case you were assuming the framing. But it's basically like, how has it changed your work? Like, have you noticed any noticeable change in your work since we Brexited? Yeah, in a couple of ways. First thing I would say, though,
1: on the old Headingley Ward boundaries in, 20, in 2016, mm. 82.5% remain on a high turnout. We should have all our T-shirts making made it. it's not our fault <laughs> Brexit, go <laughs> well, not our fault um, so we've obviously seen uh we've seen uh, trade issues for firms in leeds mm-hmm. um, and 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 trade issues for firms wanting to export to leeds from 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 the EU. Mm-hmm. we've seen a curtailment of european funding so and in in lots of areas go well, obviously you know we're out now it's it's You know, Boris has got Brexit done, hasn't he? Um, Mm. Apparently. It's not
0: remotely done. Um, Just put on the news about Northern Ireland. It's, you know. But it'll go on for years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it will go on through the entire duration of this podcast. Oh, oh, no. I mean, Brexit will dominate. I'm 47, so Brexit and its
1: aftermath will probably dominate the rest of my working age life. Mm. Put in context, I think. Mm. Mm. So, obviously, a lot of European funding is now finished because we've left and... Mm. We're not seeing reciprocal government funding that was going to rep- to replace that. Yeah, well, that was never going to happen. Of course it wasn't. No,
0: sorry, I'm just bursting out with cynicism there. <laughs> no, but, 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 but when sort of the
1: likes of Michael Gover and that would say, well, we'll replace all of that funding, we're like, really, Michael? <laughs> really? And so that's been a problem. And to, to give you some idea, I vividly remember a big sign going up after the referendum, because the funding for the milk it was a European in EU funding stream, mm. and there was a big sign saying that you know due to the, you know due to the results of the Brexit referendum, it is likely that this program will be curtailed when the funding runs out on this. And it was the next, next start of the next EU year, I think. Which is I think it's a May to so April year. I don't, anyway, you see the point I'm making. <laughs> it was and it was it was such a micro little thing, but really important for kids who can't whose parents you know were eligible for that kind of free milk. So I mean, we've kind of replaced those our, ourselves. Mm. So that has an impact on us because mm. we don't have this money to go in the first place. To, we don't have enough money to go around in the first place. So it's had a lot, it's had quite a lot of impacts in Leeds, um, and it's none of them good. Mm. So, for example, my eldest went on a fantastic EU-funded trip school residential to Spain. Mm. That's gone, mm. and there is surprise, surprise, no centrally funded from the Department of Education, Whitehall in government mm. replacement. Mm. So. Kids from a sort of, uh, you know, typical neighborhood, typical community, we're not going to get the opportunity to go to to Toledo and Madrid and all the things that my eldest did. And had a fantastic world enriching time. Meeting loads of other kids from around Europe, mm. Spanish kids, Czech Republic kids, uh, French kids are all at this, you know, this, this EU organized program. It's fantastic. Life enriching. That's gone. Mm. Um, so... And the school, there just isn't the funding to replace that. Mm. And also there and we don't plug in, we just and the government has not plugged us back into those things. Bit in the bullet, and a part of the Boris was fabled oven ready deal has not plugged us back into all these programs. Mm. And it would have been so easy to do that. Mm. That's deliberate harm. So forgive me if I'm not particularly well disposed towards our conservative colleagues. Um because particularly in Westminster is because there are lots of deliberate harms to ordinary people that Brexit's imposed and that the way the government's gone about negotiating it all has done. Hmm. Hey, but what the heck, you know, passports are black now, so that's okay, right? It's all worth it. It's 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 turned us into a laughing stock. And I hope people are starting to realise just how much it's turned Britain into a laughing stock. So we entered the 21st century. We entered the well, we got to the end of the first decade in the 21st century with a reputation for good government. And global leadership, sometimes getting that right, sometimes getting that wrong, but we were there. And now, 12 years later, we're, we're seen as a shambles and a laughing stock. I think it would be really helpful if people could start using things like Google Translate to, to read about how journalists in other countries write
0: about us. To be fair, though, does anywhere in the world look good right now? Could you point to anywhere on the globe and say, do you know what? They're really nailing it. They're killing it at the moment.
1: (laughs) There is a, there is a lot of shambles to go around to be fair. There is as a species overall. We're not doing great. But if, if government, if governmental shambology was an Olympic sport, (laughs) we'd be pitching at gold right now. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, closely followed by the Russian army, perhaps. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's,
0: Brexit has been, has been bad across the board for us. And has it meant more work for you though or has it meant uh, less work? Is uh, it like less work because more people have just gone out of business?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a real mixed bag to be honest because we're trying to replace some things, but we mm. can't do everything, well far from it. Mm. Like I said, government's not stepped up really in anything like where it should. Certainly lots of people have left Leeds. Mm. Really good people have left have left Britain because they don't they don't want to stay here anymore in a country that they see as becoming narrower and
0: smaller and meaner mm. and i you know i don't i don't and also uncertainty it's like well completely. What's my what's my position and how yeah. much am i going to pay oh and you might deport me anyway even if i'm like legally allowed to be here under rock solid legal agreements you might yeah. just ship me off anyway i've had friends leave exactly
1: because of that mm. so a french friend she left um colleague of work which she, um, really talented mm. has left and her partner's gone with her and we've, you know, they're no longer enriching the the lives of people in Leeds. Mm. And I think that's really sad. Um, and I'm, my hat, look, my hat is clearly in the ring on this. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish we'd never left. Um, and I campaigned to remain, vote remain. And it might be an idea. It might be an indication of sort of social circles mm. and, and, are we not are our social circles becoming more close? But literally, everyone I know vote to remain, which you know might be indicative of some social trend where we're not. We're perhaps more in. You're,
0: you're in, in your space. echo
1: chamber, and your echo, Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, perhaps we are, and I, I think that's a, on a societal level, that's a real concern. Hmm. You know,
0: but why is that laid at the blame of of social media? Like, you know, there's a stratification through income as well. Why is it not? the 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 income gap is growing, and that's why people aren't mixing with you know more very vari- people from different incomes or whatever. You know it's always like, well, it's social media's fault because they're just showing you the same thing over and over again. well, I think, but we keep going back to look at the same thing over and over again. <laughs> so
1: is it our fault or their fault? Well, it's interesting I mean, that's a very good question. Um, so I mean, I think um what well, it's given a political anecdote on this, mm. I was reading some analysis of how people have used social media in the, in the, in the teens, should we say between 2010 and 2020, and, and how it's affected um, how people take in news and their political opinions and voting patterns. Mm. And there was, a, there was perhaps older generations tended to view sort of random news pages on, say, Facebook, as as reputable as the Guardian or the New York Times. But actually, it could have been some some kid in a warehouse outside Lenin, uh, outside St. Petersburg, just knocking stuff out. You know, we looked at the way there's been poly- interference in people's elections. Well, actually, it's more in- in- interference in people's po- n- news absorption processes, perhaps. Mm. You know, it's so social media in, in the form of Facebook, in this case, has had some really, really negative, negative impacts on how people absorb news mm. and that. Do we all sit and watch the nine or 10 o'clock news on the night again, still as a nation? Mm. Probably don't, do we? And we were, we're in a much more fragmented news environment, aren't we? I think. And I think that affects how, what people think about things. So, for example, just to give you an idea, right? If Donald Trump or Boris Johnson had have faced the media environment that, say, Richard Nixon did, mm. right? There's no way they would have achieved high office. Mm. And, just, you know, um, but they don't. They face a much more fragmented, much more partisan media environment. Mm. And so they've got to where they are, where they did or where they are. And one's not office and one is, and regrettably Trump might come back. I mean, that'd be an absolute disaster for us all.
0: Oh, he's definitely coming back.
1: I think he'll be the Republican nominee. And I think that's yeah, will. terrifying.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and he'll probably win. It could easily. I mean, who knows? It's a matter of who knows. But I think actually, so the decline, the decline of American conservatism into white nationalism, is probably one of the political stories of the last forty-five years. Mm. You know, I mean, I don't agree with conservatism in particularly any any way at all. But it there was a sober, serious, intellectual quality to it, Mm. both in in the UK. And in North America, Mm. that I think is largely absent now.
0: Yeah, in connection to a tradition and connection. Yeah, yeah, a school of thought.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and so, so for example, some of the you know there was a in the Republican Party there was a real Atlanticist tradition, Mm. you know, about looking to Britain and looking to Europe, you know, forged in World War One and Two and the Cold War. Mm. Yet Trump gets elected, and he's effectively. Putin's tool in the White House, it felt like at times, anyway, you know, and certainly how many pe- senior Republicans are quite wavering on supporting Ukraine and are very sort of, you know, friendly towards Russia. And I think, I mean, we're straining to geopolitics away from. I don't get that many well, questions about yeah, geopolitics as a counselor, but but no, but that 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 <laughs> change in that changing thinking is is disturbing. But the fact that that changing thinking isn't really isn't being challenged by actual, say, Republican voters. It's quite shocking in many ways, but they see. But what views are they getting? and How are they seeing it? I think are really big questions. It can affect the left as well. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's going to particularly impact as if you know, if America goes the way of the Handmaid's Tale,
0: you know. Um, but there's a purposelessness, isn't there? There's this sort of, I would. There's no. There's no grand vision. There's no. There's no thing to work towards. It's like, well, okay, well, why do we exist as a society? Well, just to exist. And <laughs> you go to work, you get up, you get on the bus, you go to work, you get a mortgage, you get a you holiday every year. That's it. You just do that forever and then you die. It's like, well, no. And also, the world's on fire. <laughs> yeah. We this, this, need to, yeah. I, this. It's like, why, you know, we need something of like, you know, Elon Musk going to Mars. That's not a vision. That's like, oh, what, you're going to open a prison colony up there <laughs> and make us all go and work for you there? That'll be fun. Like, I'm not interested in that. No, and never put your trust in
1: billionaires. Bruce Wayne is fictional. <laughs> no. Um, I think the purpose should always be to leave for the next generation better than what you inherited. and that, that, that should, But that should be the language of our civic religion. Mm. And I think we need to keep that. And if you've lost it, you need to regain it. And I think that's that's incredibly central to what we do, which is why I focus, obsess even, if transition to zero carbon and beyond, mm. because that's that's a new national story for us. Mm. We are, and I I love history. I am like an amateur historian of sorts, right? Mm. And this country is overly fixated on its modern foundational myth, which is 1939 to 1945, mm. right? You know, half the parliamentary Conservative Party think they went ashore a D-Day. You know, yeah. Not really joking with that
0: either. <laughs> no, well, that this is it. They they, they thought they were all at D Day. Like, like th- this is the mentality from the media. There's a huge section of the yeah. country think they were all at D Day. They won the World Cup in 1966, and then they did all these other awesome things. They just made and it the most awesome thing ever.
1: And it's a little unhealthy, to say the least. I think uh, this, you know. And I say I love history, and it's a fascinating place to visit. Lots and lots of times. But it's unhealthy to kind of live in it if you like, or dwell obsess on it. And I think this country needs a new modern foundational myth, a foundational story. And to me, that's where tackling climate emergency and a transition to zero carbon and beyond that is so all encompassing. That's a chance for us to have a new national story. And I think that's incredibly important, which could be, you know, inspirational to the world. And we just need the wit and wisdom to seize that. Mm. And that's that's the point where we are at the moment. It's like, can we seize that? Have we got that wit and wisdom? And the is still out on us as a country at the moment. And I think that's, that's almost sort of the, the point in the film that we're at. You know, in the Rocky films where the, the bell dings before the fight, when they've had the, tra- the, the trading montage, mm. see from carbon transition to the Rocky films. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? But it's at that moment, the bell's ringing. We don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. And it, we're at a decision point. Every, every, the next 10 years are possibly the most consequential 10 years in History in, of the species. Yeah, in, yeah, in human civilizations history. Yeah. Certainly far more consequential than 3945. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Defeating totalitarianism fantastic absolutely had to be done. Mm. But the climate emergency touches everybody on the planet. And the problem that I've got with it All those things we've talked about today, World War II, the Cold War, all those were dealt with by human politics.
2: Mm.
1: And humans are quite good at politics. Humans are really, really good in a crisis. We've talked about how Leeds responded to the floods and how we respond to the pandemic. Humans are genuinely good in a crisis. Mm. The problem with climate emergencies: by the time you're at crisis point, it's too late. The climate emergency is biology, chemistry, and physics working. It doesn't care about your politics. Mm. It just works. It's a system. It cares about what you're burning. Yeah, what? Well, <laughs> but if a system is it, it will react to what we do. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And by the point we get to the point of crisis, that's those physics, that physics, chemistry, and biology will be, will have worked its merry work, mm. and will have real, you know.
0: Well, we might not have anything. Well, we'll have real it. problems.
1: I was, <laughs> I was about to say, I, I you know, sometimes in, in a bleak mind, give us 50-50 for making out of this century intact
0: as a civilization. Oh, I, I wouldn't give us that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, I'm a glass-half-full person.
0: I really <laughs> <Yeah>. am. <laughs> I, I mean, but that's purely based on the fact that in within again through that media window, you're not seeing any work done on it. You're not, you know, you see. They'll make a big fuss about cop and then they'll show everybody flying to it. And it's like yeah. you're not and it's not like, oh God, they should all walk there barefoot or they should come on a donkey or whatever. It's it's like it it it's it's a serious you can tell when someone's just doing bad faith stuff and being a hypocrite. And you can tell when someone's like genuinely trying to do something. Yeah. Like because you see action. And yeah. I think that's the thing. We we'll hear rhetoric, but it's like every time we don't see action and you'll see yeah. that news story of like okay well they've said all of this but then they've just spent however many hundreds of millions on the new oil and whatever that that i mean that it is
1: frustrating mm. you know and it does it does breed cynicism but there's uh, loads of action going on there's there is so- tons of action yeah we live in a city that is a hive of climate activity and transition activity but communicating to that is sometimes difficult and you know getting the language right is really important you know again it's sometimes it feels like two steps forwards two steps back mm. You know, but to give you two, to give some practical examples. So in Leeds, we're looking at our tower blocks in Leeds. Mm. And so we're working on them to reduce their carbon footprints massively, mm. but also reduce the energy bills for people. Mm-hmm. Now that was important in 2019, but in 2022, it's assumed incredible importance.
2: Mm.
1: So for example, if you're, if you're by Jimmy's and you, so James's Hospital, and you look at the two Shakespeare tower blocks, they've had their cladding on. And they've had their ground source heat pumps put in, and they've had all their in in the in the flats the heating systems um, replaced with modern ones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so it's gone. You know, a single skin cut. You know, single skin concrete building, mm-hmm. not very climate efficient, should we say, mm-hmm. or energy efficient, or what have you. But that's now. You know, that's a, a solid C plus, stroke B minus in terms of heat. Mm-hmm. And so, for those people who live there, you know, they've seen their bills in sort of of plummet. Their energy bills plummet. Because they're no longer stuck into the middle of the sky in a single scheme concrete building. Mm. they're in a thermally clad building within modern efficient heating system
0: in yeah, yeah, and and that heat should be staying in the building anyway, so you know the the exactly. so, yeah, building not, you are, the cheaper you're heating should be I mean
1: just <laughs> just look at heat just look at heat maps of, of concrete buildings, you know, and they're incredibly inefficient and <laughs> But you can address I'm just saying really small practical example, so that has cut people's bills mm. and employ people doing the work mm.
0: just. Practical economics, but that's it. I mean, you. Okay, so I was going to ask this earlier, like, and I have a question on kind of uh, sure. work-life balance. I'm going to start winding it up soon as well. No worries. So yeah, so sometimes I'll ask about work-life balance and things like that. But and then the UBI will sometimes lead onto things like a four-day week. And I would guess, given what you said already, you're probably on board with four-day week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, maybe, I, maybe. Yeah, not hundred percent, but you, it's all right. But yeah, so my question is like, in terms of work, what is the work like? What is the work-life balance? Do you think how people, you know, is it a matter of more of us working less? You know, putting more of us to work, but we're all doing less, and we spread out the work more. Yeah, like if you imagine your kind of climate society, what what do you imagine is the workload being? I mean, I
1: very much open to the ideas of a four-day week. You know, we need to get work-life balance better, and a lot better in this country. I bet if you'd have asked senior managers in, in the private sector and the public sector, when lockdown started, if loads of people were going to work from home, would productivity improve loads? Mm. They'd all said no. Yeah. What happened? Productivity improved loads. Yeah. People like working from home. They, like, they don't like commuting anywhere. They don't like the commute. No. Um, and they see more of their family and friends consequences, they work, they do more, they work out, they're happier. Mm. So we need to capture some of that. Um, and we need to have, um, the ability to, you know, go into office spaces when we need to, we can't be all the time.
2: Mm.
1: No more Monday to Friday in a rabbit hutch. Mm. It's just senselessly unproductive. It's Mm. debilitating for people. People are more productive if they work in nice environments. I don't know a single person in Leeds and I'm sure there are people that this is happening to, but I don't know, personally, a single person leads is going back to their pre-pandemic work patterns even if they're doing the same job. Yeah, Maybe it's one day a week, two days a week in the office. Yeah, And the office is changing because they're all hot desking and it's all planned. Mm. Officers are getting breakout areas, comfy areas, mm. you know, different areas to work in. Things that look feel a bit more like home as opposed to, your, you know, your, your L-shaped desk and your partitions and all that. I think that's got to be good. And I think you know, managers, bosses, committee directors, whatever. I've got to be, stay savvy to that, that this has really benefited us. Mm. And the grind is the grind for a reason and we need to get away from it. Mm. And I think, you know, getting, like I said at the start, it all goes back to that dignity of endeavor. Mm. So whether you're sweeping the streets or managing multi-million pound budget, whatever you're doing, there's got to be that dignity of endeavor. Mm. And like I said, I think we're a long way from that in this country.
0: Or oh, equally long, long equally you get, you know, Jeff Bezos cleaning the toilets. That would be great. Like, also, you know, please if, if we're all mucking and we're all doing the the sort of thing, it's like, come on, Jeff, it's your turn. You've got to clean all the all the lavs. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard because they're not allowed to use them, are they?
1: Well, I mean what yeah, never put your faith in billionaires. Um what frustrates about people like they could be exemplars mm. and still be incredibly rich, mm. but they're not. Mm. Because they can, because no one reins them in. Mm no one takes on the billionaires and people need to, you know, and I think that's, that's, that's the next big wrecking in, perhaps I think in, in, in public life is that,
0: you know, I think it wrecks them as well. Like, I think it, like, I I think it just wrecks you as a person. I mean, you know, you think from like the first one being sort of Rockefeller and then the influence that he went on to have throughout the rest of the the century, post-mortem, and then, yeah, have the other ones and like even people that you like that have, have like oh they're you know someone from entertainment and they get yeah. rich and then you're kind of like well they've gone mad now as well <laughs>
1: it does seem that way doesn't it and i think <laughs> but, but for just ordinary people like we're like we both are you just need to you just need the room room to breathe and find that work life balance in society mm. and there isn't this kind of like 24-7, got to deliver, whoa, 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 whoa,
0: culture. Oh, well, you can't either. You're not, right. you're not a machine. If you want that, then you need to automate all the jobs. And they need to be run by machines that can run 24-7 at the same yeah. pace. <laughs> yeah. And I mean,
1: I mean, touched on automation there. And one of our concerns as a council is that automation is going to really radically alter what used to be the route, if you like, for one of the better expression a comfortable middle-class lifestyle in cities like Leeds Mm. because white-collar office work used to be that room. Mm. Well, automation in in various forms is is really going to take chunks out of that over the next 20 years.
2: Mm.
1: And that's something that, again, is both really concerning, but I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that can be addressed by transition Mm. and those kind of employment sources. Mm. And change it and rethinking. We need to rethink perhaps to a degree, to a high degree actually, what is value of Kylie in our society is an endeavour, as employment? You know, I mean, I love football, yeah. but that, that, that kid that Man City has signed, he's going to be paid £400,000 a week?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's beyond all sense. Yeah. yeah, to kick a ball. I, I, I love football. I'm a Newcastle United fan, which perhaps suggests I like base comedy as well. <laughs> but, but more to the point, is it's not worth that. Mm. It's just not worth that. And and I you might say football's a trivial example, but the way that technology has allowed relatively small groups of people to amass lots of wealth
2: mm.
1: is we're very much in the a repeat, it feels like a repeat of sort of the the late mm.
0: you know, the, Oh yeah, it's the, another gilded age. Yeah.
1: That's the yeah. yeah. Now interesting, out of the gilded age came the progressive age in America. And there's huge amounts of progress mm. for, for ordinary people. So let's let's keep optimistic. Yeah. But I just remember Bill Gates was giving a seminar. And I, I caught a bit of, that. I think he's online still. And he said that the, the most efficient time for American business was during the 30s, 40s, and through to the late 70s, mm. when he was highly taxed and highly regulated because he made them efficient. He made them think. Mm. The mantra that if you just cut taxes for rich people and cut red tape and regulations to corporations, everyone's a winner is is clearly hogwash. No, yeah. Because a makers are, and
0: rocket makers are winners and everyone else loses.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, Wages, wages for ordinary people in this country are no higher now than effectively no higher than 2010.
0: Well, yeah. Well, i and mean, depending on how you're measuring it, but yeah, generally it's it's, it's a downward trend.
1: Well, indeed. So let's let's bring on the wealth taxes because that's the only way we're going to get some kind of redress in the
0: short term. Well, I, as well, there is. So this related to this question. I mean, it's kind of like, well, what what is the middle? What is our benchmark? What is a you know what is a good life? What is what is you know? There's like having dignity and having like yeah. you know reasonable standard of living and basic needs and all of that kind of stuff. But you know what 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 should be the expectation that should, someone should have as as their their kind of basic? You know, like how many hours a week should be be working and things like that? Like that's not an easy question to answer, but it's it's like assumed. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. oh they're earning too much. And that's earning enough, but everyone wants to make more money and the ability to get lucky and to make more money. Yeah. And they know how much is too much and too much for them, but they don't necessarily, we don't necessarily know how much is too little. I think it's I think, weird. It, it is weird. What is it? What is it?
1: Mark Twain once said, the problem with America is that everyone thinks they're a tempor- temporarily financially embarrassed millionaire or yeah, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Well, now it's billionaires, you know, one hundred thirty, forty years later on. But the, yeah, it's it's really important that a lot of people understand that there's an awful lot of people in this country that right now are struggling to feed, to, to, to put food on the table, and to heat their homes. Mm. And I think I hope hopefully more people are going to understand that, but they need to be watching some normal news to understand that. Mm. Um, you know, it's. I've got constituents who are probably going to bed tonight hungry. Mm. Now that's damning in a country as wealthy as Britain.
0: Oh yeah, if they if supposed to be progress and we're in twenty twenty two, yeah,
1: and I think we've we've fallen back a lot in the last ten years. And I don't, I think it might be dawning on people just how far we've fallen back. And
0: I Although think it wasn't a fall; it was a deliberate choice.
1: Well, I mean, yes, I would always very much argue that austerity was a deli- was an unnecessary political choice. Yeah. And the way that um there's a conscious cruelty to a lot of government policy,
0: I think. Um that if is equally the, you can say there's a lot of cruelty to electorate to the electorate as well. I mean you can't. <laughs> but I can.
1: <laughs> I have lovely constituents who everything like that. I, I I like I said I, I fundamentally believe people are thoroughly decent if you give them half a chance. Mm. you've got to give them half a chance. Mm. And you bring out the worst in people if they're always stressed, always tired, always worrying about paying the bills. Mm. But actually, you give people enough room to breathe mm. and enough so that they've got the basics, then humans are wonderful. It's so when we put ourselves in distress that the worst, the, worst, the worst angels of our nature come out. And I think a center of public policy is, look, how do we get people's better angels to come out? Which touches on a lot of things we've talked about today. And on that, Simon, my... I need to go do tea.
0: (laughs) Thank you again to Neil for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests. And thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thanks to you, my dear listener. Come back next week to hear the next episode of Working Hours. OK, that's me. Cheers ears, take care out there, and be kind to each other, Leeds. If you're listening to this, I assume you have some connection to Leeds, like living here or being from here. If you're such a person in Leeds or from Leeds, and you haven't done your recording for Working Hours yet, then don't wait. Email me at workinghourspod at western studios dot com and let's arrange some time to record your working hours interview if you want to be a guest on the show put guest in your subject line and add a short bio in your message along with some indication of your availability i will need a two hour window for us to record in i can record in your work time or during your downtime i have been recording interviews for working hours for over a year on zoom but i can record offline as well how do you feel about work what do you like and not like about your work You can be on working hours anonymously or you can promote yourself, your company or your brand. Cleaner or owner, what is your experience? Have your voice heard for a change. Share your wisdom with people who want to hear it for a change. Give us the inside skinny on what's happening in your industry. Loiners, what are you doing in the world? What is Leeds doing most of the time? Be a part of local history. Be on Working Hours. This is your show, Leeds. It's all about what you are making and have made of yourself and of our city. Do you even know what you're doing? If you think you do, then come and tell me about it. Come on Working Hours even if you don't know what you're doing. I certainly don't. Email me right now. Quick, get a pen. pod at western-studios.com If you're allowed to do that, that is... If you're not allowed to do that, then maybe sneakily tell me why. You can email this show securely and anonymously via westinstudios at protomail.com and I could alter your voice on the recording and keep you anonymous. Come and tell me how awful and dodgy your employer is. If you and your business aren't ashamed of what you do, then let's hear all about it. What good are you doing the rest of us? Are you socially useful? Am I? Is this... Send your feedback, questions, comments, and queries right now to workinghourspod at western-studios.com. Follow this show on Twitter at WorkingHours3 and on Instagram at WorkingHoursPodLeads to find out when new episodes are being released or to DM me with any questions or comments. Or you can use the hashtag WorkingHoursPodLeads on either site to find me. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads and I'm on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Simon hyphen Treen or you can go to my company page linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Yes. I have a company of one. To be fair to me, I am the best company that I have ever worked for. If you want to work with me to make a podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, then get in touch. Whether it's for a cause, for publicity campaigns, product promotions, sales, or just for your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. If you're thinking of online audio content creation, then think Western Studios for support, advice and guidance on getting it made. At Western Studios, you work with a real life learner who is actually in Leeds, who you can actually work with on your digital audio content. Not a piece of software, not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses, but me, a person in physical place-based reality. So don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by disembodied virtual people on the web. Get on with making your podcast now, then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong, which it will, then call Western Studios to make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios will take on your podcast's boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I'll share it. Remember, podcast work is work. Leads businesses, leads campaigns, leads brands. Got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Hit me up at podcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. And then I charge £25 an hour after that. I can arrange hefty discounts for the right projects. So tell me your idea and your budget and I'll tell you what i I can do for you. What do you have to lose? Time. That's what time is running out. Temperatures are rising. The sun's getting real low on humanity now. So make your thing and make it now because you and all your future ancestors who will now never be will be holding your peace for the rest of forever. The best time to make a podcast was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Writers in Yorkshire, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content that is about and for and has been made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I am one of them. Help me make your old screenplays, unpublished novels, unperformed plays, stories, poems and performances. Whatever you got, baby make it as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. I want to make it into a podcast or audiobook. I get to practice making shows and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Save yourself the hassle and the headache of making your podcast by giving it to me instead." And finally, once again, please let this show, what you're listening to right now, Working Hours, get big and strong by joining its Patreon. Support Working Hours online. Be a champion on Patreon. Don't ask the membership fee. It's a pound. For a pound a month, you can really inspire me and motivate me. Maybe one day you'll even cover my costs. Go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to sign up or go to kofi ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month be super awesome and join both there's a monthly live stream on the patreon and you can get access to the working hours discord with a Kofi membership so do both go crazy spend on me like there's no tomorrow why not your planet is burning, your house is on fire, your governments are criminals, the oil industry are maniacs and bankers are completely insane. We're losing everything, act like it. Do something new and something different. Work for peace and plan with kindness. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Working Hours. Tell your gran, tell your housekeeper, tell your gardener, tell your parole officer, tell your boss, tell Leeds and I'll see thee next time our kid. working hours is presented edited and recorded by simon treen for western studios leeds limited the music was the bees from chopin's etudes which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org